Welcome to Vistas by WebCheck Security. News, views, and insights into the cybersecurity realm, leadership, and entrepreneurship produced by WebCheck Security, a world-class cyber penetration testing and risk mitigation company. My name is Greg Johnson, and I'm your host. Today's podcast features the Director of Cybersecurity for Interlaced I.O., Zachary Scherf, and we'll learn more about Interlaced and Zach in a minute. Vistas is sponsored by Vivint Smart Home. Look, have you ever wondered what would happen if I got robbed? What would they get? Who do I call to protect myself? Well, call Vivint Smart Home. They have great technology and cameras, doorbells, garage sensors, window sensors, thermostats, uh, everything you need all in one app. So for world-class home security and home automation, call Vivint today at 1-800-570-1313. That's 1-800-570-1313. Also anchoring Vista's sponsorship is Nexus IT, a worry-free, hyper-responsive, and white-glove approach to providing world-class IT support and solutions so leaders can focus on their business. Reach out to them at www.nexusitc.net and uh, also 435-659-2533. Now we get to the good stuff. I want to introduce to you Mr. Zachary Scherf, CISSP. He is the Director of Cybersecurity for Interlaced IO, a San Diego-based MSP, MSSP, and when he isn't strategizing on cyber solutions for clients, he's obsessing over cars, home theater, great branding and graphic design, or a multitude of other micro passions. Zach, welcome to Vistas. Thanks, Greg. Super excited to be here, especially given our, just our long-term partnership here. And I, I feel like you're welcoming, welcoming me into your home. So uh, <laughs> thank you again for your hospitality. Well, you're welcome. You're a great dude. And uh, I'm just honored to have you on the podcast today. Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, Zach. That's quite an intro. You've got some uh, good things and fun things going on in your life. Yeah, for sure. So um, I guess for, for those who don't know, I'm a, a Philadelphia um proponent, a large proponent of Philadelphia, a native, grew up in the suburbs here, lived here for the past five or six years, um, and just overall love it. Outside of that, uh, and just the passion for the food in this city, I'm really into cars. Uh, my One of my pandemic projects was buying a classic square body 92 Ford Ranger, doing an engine swap in it. Um, ideally drive a 100,000 mile Porsche, uh, which I think people would think was unreliable, but you'd be quite surprised. And uh, I spend a lot more of my day than I should on sites like Cars and Bids, uh, Bring a Trailer, or their auction sites. Well, that sounds fun, Zach. Um, uh, you'll have to take me out in a spin for, uh, in your Porsche next time I'm uh, out in Philadelphia. <laughs> people generally, funny enough, people go wild about the Ranger. They love that. Really? Like, oh, you know, it's a Porsche. Yeah, it's the the little truck with the red, the blood red interior. People go wild about it uh, just because I think it's so unassuming. Okay, well, we'll have to take that out for a spin. So, yeah. Zach, tell us a little bit about Interlaced IO. You're based in Philadelphia. Interlaced has traditionally been based in. Uh, San Diego, but they're expanding. We'll talk about that later. But what what is Interlaced and, and what do they do and how is it changing and it and and evolving? Yeah. Um, so thanks for asking. Uh, first of all, uh, I think me working here and having our kind of initial base of operations in San Diego is just an indication of how much of the country we serve. We're uh, at this point a ninety five percent remote workforce. Whoever can be remote, I think, really is. 
But what Interlace does, uh, historically, we catered and started as uh, a, an MSP uh, focused on Apple focused businesses, graphic design firms, things like that, companies right. who used Apple. And, and what we did is we took a step back in that. And what we realized was, all right, who are the customers that we work best with? Who are the customers that we service best? And it wasn't just Apple customers. It was customers who happened to use Apple because they wanted to give their teams the best possible tools to help them succeed, right? Uh, I don't think I've, I've worked with very many companies who are 100% Apple. They are usually 99.9% uh, or some mix of 50-50. And uh, there's always the accountant who needs their Windows machine to do their best work. There's always a designer who needs or wants their Mac to do their best work. Uh, and working with companies that listen to their employees' preferences uh, and want to give them, again, the best tools they can so that their teams can succeed and do their best mission-driven work uh, is what we're here to do uh, and where we use our historic expertise combined with our, our modern vision uh, to help those companies out. Yeah, so there's a lot of good MSPs out there, but there aren't very many that really understand the Apple environment. So I think that's really a neat thing that, uh, uh, you know, you you guys are a trustworthy um, MSP and security solutions provider now uh, for that environment. But you don't just do Apple, right? You can set up Active Directory. Tell me a little bit about all of the other services as well. Yeah, so we are a uh, kind of forward-looking cloud-focused MSP, right? Gotcha. And so a lot of times companies will come to us from legacy MSPs, from uh, having experience where they wanted some of our uh, Apple expertise, and that's how they found us. But then as we started working together, what they realized was, hey, we're actually really looking uh, to, to help out organizations in future-proofing and in migrating to uh, more modern solutions, right? So uh, when the pandemic hit, we saw a lot of other people just in our industry, um, in the MSP industry in general, who were uh, more or less rushing to get uh, VPNs stood up to get off of the on-prem infrastructure right. uh, to put things in place. And, and, you know, that created a huge burden in addition to the pandemic for the companies who needed to rapidly change uh, and, you know, we weren't sitting around twiddling our thumbs by any means, but what I will say is a lot of the companies came back to us with feedback saying, I'm so glad that you all recommended that we move entirely off-prem, entirely into the cloud, into modern solutions like uh, Workspace and, um, you know, uh, Microsoft 365, uh, because it really did enable us to focus on how do we adapt as a company to this new normal as opposed to how do we adapt our technology towards it very interesting so you're apple focused you're cloud focused but not necessarily only on those things and you guys yeah. can can do a lot but for those uh, listeners and organizations on this podcast today if you have apple in your organization and and you have cloud what a great uh, fit interlaced is for your company um yeah so uh, tell us about um your new role and kind of the resulting uh you know I don't, it's chicken and the egg right I like I, I think interlaced was driving cybersecurity before and you were always involved in that you and i have been doing business together uh for gee two or two and a half years now at least and we've landed some really neat engagements together but uh yeah. there have been some changes tell tell our listeners about that Absolutely. And so I think this actually touches a little bit about um, kind of your last question about our direction, which was, uh, yeah, you know, uh, 
in focusing on what's next for our customers, we did see just a huge um, uh, volume increase, right, in the amount of people who are asking us or who are just generally struggling to understand uh, how security impacted them. And so you had uh, a lot of different camps, people who would ignore it, people who really wanted to ask. And, and so what we needed to do was come proactively to our customers and say, all right, you're working from home, totally different set of, of needs and risks. How do we understand the key business drivers behind security? Why are these, why are our customers asking these questions? Um, and how do we come up with a, a comprehensive plan that program around compliance initiatives? And kind of to your point, um, you know, previously I'd worked very closely and I still do with all of our customers getting that feedback finding those needs. Uh, and so what I did was, you know, uh, take that feedback and put it into uh, a plan so that our company could start offering some more of those services either directly or through partnerships with companies uh, like Interlaced. And that has been a, a multi-year process that ultimately led to uh, my pursuing of a, a CISSP, um, working very closely with all of our security-focused clients, and then working with, again, partners like you, uh, so that uh, the ultimate culmination was this year, having us added over 20 security-focused services, um, new tiers of service for compliance-focused companies, an integration of new EDR and data loss prevention tools, uh, an entirely new process that I'm really proud of has been my child this year, uh, which is a very approachable uh, process for delivering cybersecurity consultations. So we can make sure that our customers feel held um, or heard, uh, collect data about how to better improve some of our security services, uh, figure out what is next, and uh, you know, identify what customers uh, are really feeling some of the pains of this kind of ever-changing world around cybersecurity. Oh, that sounds great, Zachary. So you're the new director of uh, cybersecurity, and you have a programmatic approach now to helping your clients. Tell us a little bit about how WebCheck Security factors into that and what, what your approach has been. And then let's talk about some of the wins we've had together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my uh, kind of uh, going back to that point that we talked about before, my, my little, uh, my more or less pandemic project for Cybersecurity well, right. was a process on delivering security consultations. And that's part of this larger project uh, process that we're going through right now in adding security services and like working with uh, like you, WebCheck, right? So effectively, the way we look at it is this. We're going to sit down uh, and dedicate time with all of our clients as we already have been doing. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to use this customized security uh, consultation form and kind of workflow to identify how our customers are feeling and break that down into business questions, right. what verticals they're in, what compliances they may need, all of those things. Uh, and then combine that with a few other things. Uh, the second thing being how they're feeling. Uh, and this is something where we ask a few questions about, you know, does cybersecurity keep you up at night? Does cybersecurity, um, you know, uh, give you a lot of stress? Do you feel really confident about your policies today? And it gives us the opportunity to really drill back in those questions and say, if you're feeling confident, but we don't have a mature uh, program in place for you, why do you have that confidence? And then if you're feeling really anxious, but we've done a lot of work, where's that kind of anxiety coming from? And then how do we figure out how to align the size of the business 
the needs of the business that we're serving with uh, with new product offerings, as well as just uh, genuine advice um, and consultation around security, right? And what that ultimately leads to is us partnering with companies like WebCheck Security, so that when we are talking to our customers who we have this formed relationship with, and they say to us, we have new customers coming on board. We have um, a cyber insurance uh, renewal coming up, and I'm really afraid that uh, it's going to double in price because that's just what I'm hearing in the industry. How do we stop this? I can go and say, like, okay, we fill out this form, we fill out this consultation, we get some information. Uh, it sounds like what we really need to do is uh, we have no idea where the vulnerabilities sit. We have no idea what the maturity of your um, uh, of your information security policy is. Let's pull in our partner WebCheck Security uh, to run through a gap assessment. Let's do a vulnerability assessment. Let's do um, uh, let's get you started on that journey towards either a SOC two uh, or a PCI attestation. And just leveraging that external resource, your team, uh, specifically the expertise coming from all of your different practitioners, has been absolutely integral in being able to provide a experienced team of cybersecurity individuals to our customers in a rapid amount of time, as rapid as the trends are changing. Um, so that that's kind of how we're adapting to it. And, and that's a great approach, Zach, because... You know, so many MSPs come into it with, well, you need this product, right? Yep. And maybe they do. Maybe they need several products installed, implemented, fine-tuned. But the reality is, as you know, cybersecurity is multifaceted. There's multiple pieces of that pie there. So share some of the successes. You don't have to name companies by name, but we've done digital forensics on law firms and other institutions. We've done uh, uh, assessments on a large distributed uh, kind of home-based business that was doing multi-millions in revenue. At what, what are some uh, success stories that you'd like to share that you and I have worked on together? Yeah, I mean, I think the ultimate, uh, the, the biggest success story I can share is that, you know, we both worked or approached, had a client approach us at the very beginning of our our journey to offer more uh, cybersecurity solutions mm -hmm. around how do we get SOC 2 compliant. Um, and this has been a client of ours who'd always been interested in security. Um, but really needed the expertise from the, the web check side to understand their gaps and understand where their vulnerabilities were. And the key business drivers behind this, as there are in really kind of any business dis uh, decision-making process, were that they had customers coming to them saying, you need this, right? You want this. And uh, they had some really forward-thinking leadership within that organization to say, hey, this isn't one or two customers. If we want to continue to innovate and be at the top of our space, what we need to do is get ahead of this. Um, and we need to be our, our differentiator as an organization in the creative space, which, as you may know, is one of the um, kind of key markets for Interlaced, uh, is to be not only uh, innovating on the creative side, but also having the, the back-end operational maturity and the security. So uh, we connected, we pulled in the WebCheck team to do a full uh, SOC 2 uh, vulnerability assessment. And they actually, I believe just this year, attested and passed uh, to that. And I, I, uh, my understanding just in uh, following up with them, either through their customer success manager or directly, is that that uh, 
piece of focus around cyber anxiety, around cyber confidence uh, that they didn't have before, they have now. So when a customer asks them, hey, are you this? Do you have that? They're not just blindly filling out a vulnerability questionnaire. They're not just blindly filling out um, saying, oh, I hope I get this. And they're not sitting there wondering, am I going to lose this deal Uh, because I don't have a mature process. I don't have a mature information security program in place. Um, I would say confidently that they felt that was not the case a year and a half ago. And now they feel confident. And as you know, cybersecurity is a journey. They're not at 100%. Right. Right, right. But they feel really confident in their process of improvement, their plan of actions and milestones and where they're going to be. And that they can speak to all of those things and have a much better understanding and have stepped outside of ignorance on uh, regarding information security. Yeah, that that is a great success. That was a fun engagement. Uh, and, and we've had several wins like that uh, together. And, uh, you know, it's 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 not just. You mentioned something interesting, Zach. Maybe we can talk about this as industry trends, but insurance premiums are going up. And giving uh, that particular company the confidence, and and also uh, I I suspect it might have lowered their insurance premium as as well. Um, Yeah, that that's 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 a fantastic thing. Well, let's let's talk about that. What trends are you seeing? And and let's focus on. Two things, what you're seeing, but also let's talk about the insurance. Have, have you seen that insurers are requiring more um, as you're out there? Uh, talk, talk to yep. that for a minute. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the trends that we're feeling, and that I should say the trends we're seeing are a direct result of the feedback that we're getting through our kind of updated process to better understand our customers, right? And right now, uh, companies are really feeling the pain of industry progression. Uh, And I consider that to be more or less a necessary evil, right? Uh, They say a rising tide lifts all boats. And so our customers are now getting a better understanding, um, whereas they may have thought peripherally security was on their mind. Now they're saying, okay, this does directly affect me, right? Um, And so they uh, are, I think, today feeling the pain and the real impacts, whether it be lost business or increase cyber insurance premiums uh, of not having a, a mature uh, information security program. And I think that ultimately those trends as, a, as an industry are happening, um, you know, I, strictly out of necessity, right? right? You're seeing, you saw over the pandemic, a huge shift in how people work. You saw an entirely new set of, uh, of vulnerabilities where the, the traditional methods of securing a network, uh, securing a, uh, a, an, an organization uh, were kind of related to a, a closing off a system. And as businesses had to get uh, dynamic and continue to operate in this uh, more or less post-pandemic world, they need to switch from that mentality over to the, um, you know, the distributed mentality and the, and the security implications that come along with that. And so in that, you now have a race. You've got a race of the people who are trying to exploit that. And then you've got a race of the companies who are trying to get ahead of that. And I think that because you had that rapid shift, as we saw in all of these different industries, you saw this huge shift in priorities and this huge increase in uh, vulnerabilities around uh, infrastructure moving to a fully remote or hybridized 
workforces um, because of that more tax happened because more tax happened insurance companies started taking more losses uh, right. and because that yes. happened uh, now insurance companies are getting more scrutinous and as a result of that there's now a, a return on investment um, clear as day for these customers and for these companies um, to invest in their information security policy, uh, not just from a security uh, perspective, but also just from a, a bottom line perspective. Yeah, Zach, we had a, a client who one of their outlying offices was breached and their corporate cyber premium went up by about 50,000 a year, you know? And so that's, uh, that's a critical thing you're saying there is as organizations can achieve cyber maturity, you know, they, their, their insurance premiums, they, they can give the insurer more uh, confidence that uh, they're not going to have to pay out. Right. That's why the premiums have gotten so high. So what other trends uh, Zach are you seeing in the industry that interlace is looking to address? Um, so I think a number of different trends, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think the biggest one that we're looking to address is this feeling of um, feeling of kind of false security by being 100% cloud-based, right? We said at the beginning uh, yeah. that, um, yeah, at, at the beginning of this podcast, we look to work with forward-thinking companies who are cloud-based, and that's kind of a double-edged sword. Right. And the reason for that is because uh, historically, I think you it's very easy to look at it and say, Google's got our data. Google has billions of dollars. Uh, and for what it's worth, an extremely mature security, uh, internal security um, operation there, right? They're Google. But right. uh, people feel the same way about Amazon, about Microsoft. And that is justified, right? Uh, I feel super confident that nobody's able to walk into... Microsoft's server room today and pull any hard drive and get any amount of my data. Right. Right. And, uh, and it's of all hard, the different layers of protection. Right. And it's hard to DDoS their firewalls, right? They've got these big industrial firewalls, but they're huge. They but, are the internet. Right. But, but yeah, but that does not uh, actually count uh, or just um, kind of disclaim you from needing to have a mature security policy. So companies felt all these companies are investing all of this money, Microsoft, Google, into information security. I'm using that platform that means I'm safe. And really it means that you're safer than if you were using on-prem to host the same services, but it introduces to what we were talking about before an entirely different set of threats. So what we're looking at today is, okay, how do we inform our customers of the vulnerabilities and threats um, in letting them know that it actually was a really good idea to move to cloud here's what's already happened. Here's what you don't have to worry about anymore, right? But really what they've done is move the legacy server room da uh, from down the hall to down the street, right? right. And so even though you've got that um, and you've you kind of transferred all of that liability or transferred all of those vulnerabilities elsewhere, um, you still have the one, the most important thing, which is the users who are using your system um, you know, it doesn't matter how secure you can build any level of system technically, um, you're still going to have to make sure that you're uh, building a, a culture of security within your organization. Uh, and also to highlight some of the configuration changes, some of the 
um, different tools and systems that we can use uh, or that these organizations can use uh, to help further increase their cybersecurity. Uh, and to just really sit down with them and identify if they don't do that, um, you know, not as a, as a fear tactic, but just as an informational tactic, um, here's the kind of vulnerabilities you can face. You shouldn't feel um, lulled under the security blanket of, of big tech. You still have to do your part there. It's not entirely pushed off. So that's really what we're seeing. And I, I do have to say as well, um, nobody expects the cybersecurity insurance or the general insurance industry to move very quickly. I think that's a pretty universally accepted statement. Like other than raising premiums, you're not expecting too much else from them as far as like rapidly moving. And I think that what is kind of damaging uh, right now is that when our companies, uh, companies that, that we work with are going through these cybersecurity uh, cyber insurance questionnaires or vulnerability assessments from, from external um, you know, clients, uh, vendor risk assessments, I should say, um, they're asking some really legacy questions, right? Stuff that when you check it off, it really doesn't seem applicable to an entirely cloud-focused uh, infrastructure, right? right. Uh, and so what I would really like to see and the, the direction I think that the industry needs to move in um, and that MSPs need to do in service of their clients is saying, hey, uh, even this is, is legacy, you, you shouldn't feel... Um, you shouldn't feel safe in that way, right? You shouldn't feel that, that there's security there because this uh, this set of questions they're asking around on-prem infrastructure, around this, that, and the other, they're not inclusive of how, how the modern business operates, uh, but you still need to be moving towards maturity in that way. And again, what I'm really hoping to see is those questionnaires, the insurance industry as a whole, move forward in the types of questions they're asking to better address and actually, um, uh, I think, get a good snapshot of how these modern companies are operating and, and, and how that uh, ultimately leads to uh, risk and risk tolerance. Gotcha. Thank you for those insights. Zach, uh, let's diverge for a minute and, and talk about uh, your leadership in, in your new role and uh, corporate governance. So. You've, you've got this vision of what you're trying to create. What, what do you bring to the table and how do you create a cyber culture and how do you kind of rally the, the, the troops? What are the strengths you bring to the table? How do you see it? Yeah. Um, so I think that that's a, a, a great question. Right. Um, when I started in this role, um, most recently, I should say when I, when I was given the title of top, top in this role, one of my first thoughts was, all right, how do I create a culture of security? And that is so nebulous. It's so broad. Um, it's so difficult to do. And it just varies uh, heavily depending on the, uh, the culture of your company. And so, as you know, there's there's the kind of prescriptive approach you can take, which is you have to do your, you know, your security trainings through the web portal. You have to watch this hour long video. Um, but what that fails to do is highlight the key players in your organization who are interested in cybersecurity uh, or at least want to know more about it, but don't have a route in their current role to bubble up that feedback, to bubble up the insights. And you learn a tremendous amount from, from everybody in the organization, but for when you're building a security program, it's especially those people, right? So one of the things I did, and I 
give this full disclaimer the first few of these I did, I'm like, this is a trial run. I don't know what I'm doing. We're going to try this out. Um, but ultimately they were voluntary lunch and learns, right? I just gone through a sand security training course, um, with Eric Conrad, who like basically wrote the book on cyber on the passing the CISSP, um, and got like a ton out of that. Uh, I think Interlace just for, for sponsoring that as well. But, uh, I'm like, I just got all this knowledge, all this great resource out of this course. I want to share it in a non-prescriptive way. And I want to do it to the people who are going to get value out of it. So I did these voluntary lunch and learns where I sat down and I said, okay, uh, this first lunch and learn is going to be an hour of talking about an individual topic within cybersecurity, whether it be uh, like understanding how to conduct a, uh, a risk assessment, making a, um, you know, a, uh, an inventory of your assets and why, um, you know, why that matters, how to assign value to those things, things like table. Like the normal stuff you would go through in a high level cybersecurity role, I want to democratize that information and get it down to everybody in the team so they can kind of understand how I'm thinking and then give them action items and give them next steps to think about in their day to day. All right, how do you, how do you internally become the champion of your direct sphere of influence as it comes to cybersecurity and IT? And that comes from passion. Uh, and that comes from just a general interest. And in order for me to kind of stoke the flames of my interest, I just need to continue to kind of share that that high-level vision and that high-level information that I've been given um, just to continue that process. Oh, that's, that's great, Zach. And so aren't you kind of creating a networking and a kind of a comradeship uh, opportunity there too? People are getting on a Zoom call or in a room and they're talking and, you know, you're building – kind of a corporate yeah. dynamic, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's really beneficial for everybody. One, because I know that, you know, uh, these are, these are the guys a lot of times with the feet on the ground or they're people in our marketing department or they're people who are handling our operations. I've had people from every, that was the most surprising thing to me is I had a lot of engineers join, but I also had a lot of I had project managers join. Oh, really? I had, our operations people join. I had other people join who are just really interested because it's such a nebulous topic and it is so, I think for a lot of people, unapproachable. And so my goal is really make it as approachable as possible without more or less dumbing it down. But that, um, that gives right? the organization depth too, because in, you know, yeah. now those people are not just kind of working in a silo doing their roles. They, they have perspective that they can bring to the table and share with the clients. I, I think that's brilliant, Zach. I, I've, I've learned, I've learned over the years that, you know, there's, there's two ways to lead. One is you tell people what to do, right. And you hope mm -hmm. that they respect you enough that, that maybe they'll do it or they, you know, they're getting their paycheck or whatever, but then there's the other way, which is you collaborate, you, you get buy-in, you lead, you discuss, maybe sometimes you sell and if your idea is not the best one, sometimes you modify it. But when you lead from a kind of a corroborative point of view, it, great things happen in an organization. I'm, I'm really happy to see that you've, you've kind of started out that way. That's really neat. I appreciate that. And like I said, I promise you that I had no idea what I was doing and probably still not when I'm started, but it seemed like uh, just based on fundamentally some ideas around leadership, some ideas around just good mentors that I've had in my life. Um, I had a good 
good role models for those things. Um, and so I just wanted to apply that to some of the, the, the rest of our team and to some of the knowledge that, um, you know, I, I was given. Very good. Well, let's do a deeper dive on interlaced. How do you guys meet your clients' needs uh, in a way that kind of differentiates you from some of your competitors? Yeah. Um, so we strive to offer like uh, enterprise IT solutions um, and kind of going back to what I was saying before, democratize them not only internally, but also kind of externally. So we talked about how we focus with, uh, on people-focused, cloud-forward, innovating companies, companies with a purpose and a mission, and how uh, we can get our team excited to support those companies and support them in their mission. Um, but I, I think that uh, ultimately, we are meeting our clients' needs by listening to them. That answers your question, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I don't want to understate that the core of our business is being just really customer obsessed and to listen to the feedback that we're getting because otherwise we can read documentation around industry trends. We can listen to podcasts like this around what's happening, but you're not going to get that direct level of this is the pain I'm feeling and I need somebody to solve it unless you're talking to your customers and it's the culture we've built around talking to our customers, having our customers give us things under the framing of their teams and how they want their teams to succeed that allow us to come up with uh, either new products or tweak our existing products or improve our processes and services to deliver just like the best, uh, best IT service that we possibly can. Very good. And and what's next for you guys uh, at, at, at Interlaced? I know that uh, you've, you've expanded. You've, tell us a little bit about the couple of acquisitions. Uh, again, for the listeners, uh, Interlaced is in San Diego. They are part of a larger group uh, affiliated with Executech and, and a capital group. But uh, talk about uh, some of your acquisitions. Yeah. Um, so we've made a couple of really exciting acquisitions this year. Um, and they kind of run the gamut as far as what Interlace does. Uh, one of which is the, the company 318, uh, based out of, of Los Angeles and on the side of working directly with people focused and mission driven organizations. They have some really, really cool clients and they're absolutely obsessed with their customers, right? Just absolutely obsessed. You can tell it in working with them every single day. Um, and so where I think uh, I'm trying to, to push the envelope with them is pulling in some of the lessons that we've learned just being a little bit larger of an organization around processation uh, and then sharing some resources on our end around offering security services, around offering, uh, you know, some of what we talked about earlier in partnership with you to their customers directly uh, and to just extend that training. You know, I talked a little bit about before how it's building the culture. It's by involving everybody and, and stopping people from feeling siloed. So just pulling, uh, pulling the team in, figuring out what we can learn from their customer obsession and where our values align, what our processes don't, and then figuring out how we can, um, you know, uh, combine those processes to, to make sure we're delivering the best experience, right? And then on the flip side of that, uh, I shouldn't even say the flip side because all the companies we, we acquire have uh, similar core values to us. Right. Uh, but we have a really interesting acquisition that just came on 
uh, called Grove Technologies based out of the kind of DC metro area. Uh, and they're, I think, absolutely paving the way as far as um, CMMC compliances uh, and working with organizations who, uh, you know, work with government contracts and, and are curious about just uh, uh, CMMC specifically uh, and cybersecurity in general. Um, and so we're really excited to kind of take some of that knowledge, combine it with the knowledge from the, the web check side of things for, um, you know, additional compliance frameworks, things like that. Uh, and then some of the, the people focus and passion from the Analyst and 318 side um, to build that into what the next generation of Interlace is going to become. Fantastic. Are, are there more acquisitions potentially on the horizon? It sounds like you guys have kind of expanded a little bit east now, and, and you certainly have had a strategy uh, to expand up the coast from San Diego. What's 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 next? I will tell you with confidence that it is 100% beyond my pay grade. So <laughs> I do not know uh, what the, the the acquisition strategy or plan is and, and any of the timeline on that. But as soon as any of that, uh, you know, becomes public, um, I'm happy to hop back on here and talk about some of the lessons we learned during the, those processes. Well, that sounds good, Zach. And and for, for our listeners, uh, Justin Wells, the CEO of Interlaced and uh, the, the market president, uh, Jeff Gaines, two amazing individuals grounded yeah. wonderful dudes uh I, I think you'll agree with me great guys absolutely uh to work for uh you you've you got you've got some good leadership heads there i agree jeff just um i mean i've learned a ton from both jeff and justin justin just being a tremendously like people focused uh and like understated individual will not probably talk about his accomplishments but you dig under the carpet and you're like oh my god this guy's done <laughs> so much right and you've got jeff jeff and i have worked together we started three months apart from each other we've worked together basically the entire time and i can say with a, a good bit of confidence actually 100 percent confidence that without jeff kind of pushing the envelope and being a, a dynamic leader uh and just being like an operations wizard uh, we would not be where we are at today. Uh, and he really was a huge um, kind of champion of mine in helping me to understand my direction in cybersecurity, um, motivating me to get my CISSP, uh, things like that. So, yeah, great leadership uh, within their list. Oh, that's great. And way to go, Jeff, for lighting a fire under you. That's uh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Zach, as as we come to the end of today's podcast, this has been great, by the way. I'm so appreciative of, of the honor and privilege of having you on this. Uh, but what advice would you give to organizations um, to immediately improve their cyber posture or cyber program management? Um, my advice would be to get introspective, right? Uh, and to get self-critical. And if you don't know where to start on that, there's a lot of great resources. Obviously, I'm going to pitch us as a great resource, but there's a lot of great public resources on the internet as well. Um, that you know, the uh, NIST puts out things like that. But the reason I say get introspective is is this. Um, if you are saying to yourself, I feel really good and I feel really confident in your cybersecurity posture, ask why, right? Ask why to yourself on that. Like, do you have, um, if you if you were somebody external um, and, and you wanted to get, you know, some, some information or you, you know, uh, wanted to be malicious towards your business 
is that possible, right? And if the answer is yes, then you might need some help in terms of figuring out how to mitigate against that, right? Um, and then if the answer is uh, no, I don't feel super confident in my cybersecurity like posture, um, but it's just like not priority right now. My my second piece of advice would be to ask why. Why isn't it a priority? Uh, is it because you know you don't see an ROI or you're not feeling the pain of it yet? I can promise you uh, mm-hmm. that if you do not feel the pain today, you will feel um, the pain of not having a, a mature cybersecurity posture uh, very shortly. I saw something on LinkedIn today that was a, uh, I think, a pretty a good enough uh, analog of. Uh, not having a cybersecurity posture in 2022, which is betting on lottery ticket, right? There's a one in 300, a one in 303 million chance that you'll be totally chill, like totally all right. Uh, but more broadly, you probably won't be, right? Yeah. Um, and so as threats increase, um, and if you're willing to innovate in your business and all of these other ways, uh, or at least, you know, seek partnership, seek uh, advice in ways where you're not totally sure how to innovate, but want to, um, why hasn't cybersecurity moved towards the top of that list? Well, thank you, Zach. This has been a great show today. Um, So honored you do this again. And and thank you so much for your valuable time and your participation here. Thank you again, just so much. Again, I feel like I've just been welcomed into your home, uh, into the homes (laughs) of your, your listeners. So um really excited well it, it's been great to have you here folks to get in touch with zach or to learn more about interlaced io just reach out to us here at uh, get in touch at webcheckSecurity.com and we'll convene a call um we'll introduce you again zach thanks so much for for being here vistas thanks its sponsors vivin smart home and nexus itc consultants For world-class security and home automation, call Vivint today at 1-800-570-1313. That's right, 1-800-570-1313. Or for White Glove Cybersecurity and IT Assistance, contact Nexus IT at 435-659-2533. Today's music has been provided by Suit Up Soldier and can be downloaded on Spotify, Apple Music, and other popular platforms. Check back soon for another episode of Vistas, which will be published soon. Until next time, be positive and see only the good in others. 